Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode number 130, and in this episode, Jeff and I talk with Jacob Despain of Black Hole Rally Team, the recent winner of Rally Colorado. Then Jeff and I chat about some of the recent-ish rally stuff in the news. So grab a cold one and join us at the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Sean. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to stop and say a big thank you to everyone who's uh, commented on the fact that the show's being back. Uh, we heard a lot of praise and, and happiness about that and felt good to get back on it. If there is a specific topic you'd like us to discuss um, or an individual you'd like us to chat, uh, chat with, please reach out, let us know. We'll do all do our best to uh, include them or include the topic. So uh, make sure you do go ahead and reach out. And if you're a competitor or volunteer or whatever, and you want to be on the show as well, again, reach out to us. Um, we'd love to have you on and, and talk rally stuff because that's just what we do here. And finally, before we start the show, a huge, huge, huge thank you to our good friend Derek Johnson Love and his tireless work for making our garbly mumbo jumbo sound somewhat coherent. Thanks, Derek. And now on with the show. That, my friends, is, of course, the official announcement of the starting of the Rallycast podcast. I am your host, Mike Shaw, here with Jess Van Voss, and we have a special guest with us today. And it is winner of the latest Colorado rally, and that is Jacob Despain. Despain, welcome to the Rallycast, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. It is so great to be here, finally. And, uh, you know, good to talk with you all. <laughs> Finally. Wow. That, that, that sounds like we, we've been uh, something you've been waiting for. Wow. Yeah, just been, uh, you know, small listener. And it's always, you know, good to get my name out here. And, you know, what better uh, medium to do it with than uh, with you guys? Well, I very much appreciate that. Well, with any guest that joins us for the first time on the Rallycast podcast, we got to really kind of start about how did you get started in this? Because, you know, I, I know you and your dad drive and co-drive together. So who got the bug first was it you or your dad it has to go to my dad yeah i mean the story is kind of long i don't want to you know be blabbering but he bought the car in 05 so a way long time ago really specifically for you know doing cool rally stuff uh he did a lot of rally cross in it you know with i guess local suca events and then i got my or i guess i got old enough to ride along so i was doing that for a little while and then i got my license and that was a massive changer finally getting to uh get in the driver's seat get behind the wheel of this car that i know i just love this car because it was my dad's you know you, you always love your dad's car oh yeah yeah so i'm finally in the driver's seat feels pretty good and then we finally make the choice and completely gut it out and put a cage in it for stage rally so has your family always been car people i say my dad and i have not so much my mom i mean she's kind of more interested in them because we are she actually bought a, a wrx recently because i you know i really wanted her to but your mom did yeah that's awesome yeah, she did. i love it yeah yeah it's 2020 it's got eyesight you know all the all the cool stuff but that was a pretty big step for her but yeah it's just mainly me and my dad always into subarus always owned one and yeah we we love them what year was it that you guys made that jump into into building it as a as a race car too i want to say it was like mid to end 2019 Oh, actually, perfect I think timing for COVID. Yeah, so I think it might have been actually been uh, early 2019 where we finally sent it off to RMA for the cage builds. Um, and that took a long time. So we got the, the car back, I think, in 
I want to say October, November-ish. Worked throughout the winter to get it ready for 100 Acre of 2020. And obviously, we know what happened there. And then we finally got the chance to actually test the car when I went to Dirtfish. Uh, that was actually, those two classes were given to me as a gift for my graduation. So that was very nice. Took the car there, finally got it dialed in, you know, learned a lot both driving and technical wise for the car. Didn't have any wheel scrapers, no underbody protection. Like the car was just bare bones. And that was a really good feeler uh, for the car's handling and what we need to add to the car to make it safer and better and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess 2019 is when we uh, finally went to the rally setup. And what kind of, uh, what kind of, I guess, adjustment? Because I mean, rally cross stuff, you're probably not doing, I mean, some people do, but I mean, not, not usually not as much with suspension and things like that. Obviously the underbody protection, like you were saying, um, is it mostly stuff you've been doing for protection right now, or you do some performance parts in there? Well, now, now we've got performance parts in there. When we first started, it was just protection, you know, get to the end of the rally, make sure the car doesn't break. Yeah. Cause actually at our first rally ever rally, Colorado, 2020, my dad was driving the car and I was co-driving. And we just had these uh, feel like gravel coilovers that weren't really meant for this type of stuff. And we blew two of them out on our first rally. So that just kind of shows, you know, we got to beef the suspension up so it doesn't break mm -hmm. and, you know, have us DNFing. You guys have also had a increased uh, speed, as we can see, kind of looking at your results. But you said it was 2019 was your first one. Or 2020. 2020. Gotcha. Okay. So 20, what was that first rally you did? It was Rally Colorado 2020. Uh, I was co-driving. Okay. And uh, my dad was driving. So what was that like then, uh, trying to <laughs> do the notes thing um, with your dad driving as you went did all this school and stuff, but uh, now he's behind the wheel doing this thing with the stage rally stuff. Yeah. So a lot of it was me trying to teach him how to drive the car like this <laughs> um, son teaching dad huh right yeah usually it's him teaching me but now i i kind of had the upper hand in terms of car handling but the co-driving aspect was really difficult for me um albeit very fun you know obviously our very first rally neither of us really knew what exactly was going to happen mm -hmm. so just getting in there and doing is kind of the best way and actually i screwed up on my notes pretty bad i mixed up a couple pages so the first stage of the rally was just, I don't know where the hell we are. <laughs> just follow the road, blind crest, just slow down. Yeah, that's literally how it was. Just get to the end, um, and we got it. Awesome. Yeah, making the end of that first one must feel like a huge, just like, relief and success. Yeah, massive success. I mean, that's really was our only goal, was to, to finish the rally, and it was our first one, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Well, Colorado, when I know it now, I've been there. It's on my bucket list. Uh, I keep hearing amazing things about that event over the years. The quality of roads, the technicality of the roads is something pretty special out there. So making it to the end of that one, even though it's a regional, it's that super regional thing, which is might as well be the length of a full national rally. It's it's definitely a big challenge, isn't it? It is. I will say um, we've always finished that event. Uh, but not without problems. Back in 21 was the first year I drove, um, and we had just a lot of punctures, exhaust problems. Um, you know, again, learning uh, from the rally, making the car way better, you know, which it did. It got better with time. 2022 had a lot of punctures as well, and I believe a bent strut too, um, hitting a rock on the front right, like bent the wheel completely, just severed the tire and bent the strut so all that whole corner was almost trash rally colorado just looking at the results here that's been a stellar event for you every single time that you guys have gone there though 
yeah, it's always been a lot of fun. The challenge is like I'm there for the challenge. The challenge is crazy, especially last year. Um, just a lot of punctures, and like I said, that uh, bent corner um, kind of set us back a little bit. We were still be able to bring it home, uh, which is very cool. And then this year, uh, snapping an axle on stage six set us back almost, I think, more than a minute. Um, and then being able to climb back on Sunday was just a lot of fun. You know, good battles. Just, you know, the reason why we're out there, you know, for the challenge. Of course. I mean, it looks like that's kind of turning into your home turf. Your, uh, of the rallies that you guys have done, just consistent, consistent yeah. first place there. Yeah, I mean, it's close to home. I mean, even though it's still like a six, seven hour drive, it's uh, the closest one here. And yeah, being our fourth year here, we really learned a lot, especially at this rally with how rough it is. You know, difference in car setups, uh, you know, higher suspension. We completely remade our exhaust for this event to tuck it up into the chassis more so it doesn't get ripped out like it did at Oregon. You know, just stuff like that. Oh, let me guess. That was Starve Out. Yeah, it was. You know that. <laughs> it didn't take much of a guess, man. Let me tell you, yeah. I know that road well. Yeah, it's funny because back in 22, we were there and our exhaust got ripped out on Starve Out, and then this last 23 event, it, the same thing happened on the same stage. Yeah, that's that. But it's that chunky gravel they put in um, to try and patch up where a few years prior. Um, we had this massive rainstorm that came through and just it made everything a mud bog and so they had these super soft spots they the only gravel they could get in the general area there and again this is kind of around the beginning of covid or whatever so it was a few years back and it was just this big chunky stuff and it's brutal yeah, yeah it's brutal all right well you, you also did pretty darned well there too you entered nationally that i've noticed uh multiple times this season what was the impetus for the change to go national in several events i mean the national you know, it comes with its extra own stage, uh, mainly for the press, which I think is a good way to get myself out there, you know, mm -hmm. even with the national event period without that extra stage. I, I still think it's a lot more attention on the media side. I know I've been doing some posts on Instagram on our uh, rally page, and that's getting a lot of attention from that event, even with the 100 acre, because we entered nationally there, too. Um, even though we DNS, we still got a lot of attention on that rally as well. So and. Any national event that I go to, I think I'm going to be entering nationally, even though it does come with a bigger cost. So let's talk notes. I was actually listening to some of your notes as uh, you have your YouTube channel for the Black Hole Rally Team, for those people that aren't following. And I'll ask you about that name in a second. What did, when you first started, were you just using like modified Jemba or did you create your own notes from scratch right from the get-go? We created our own uh, notes from scratch. Every single rally we've ever done, even the ones I've been co-driving, we always made our own notes. And it's just kind of evolved over time. Watching other people's in-car footage just kind of helped me a little bit with other notes or other ways of describing the road and how it you know, is. Um, and that's helped a lot. And I think that shows in the videos because you can look at a, a rally we did in 21 and see the notes are kind of kind of shit. Um, but now I think uh, they're very good, very precise. I think back then we also weren't using the like the tape on the steering wheel mm -hmm. to help you with uh, the numbers. And every event this year we have done that, and it's just shown with a massive improvement in speed, improvement of uh, confidence. Because I know the corner that I called a four is going to be a four every time, and that that has helped a lot. Did either of you guys do any co-driver training? Obviously, you, you did dirt fish, so you had some some opportunity to try out as a driver i mean either for for you before swapping seats or for your dad before hopping in the co-driver seat 
none for us. It's all just been off of experience. And I will say it was a little rough in the beginning, but I think now we're we're getting pretty dialed in. Yeah, notes are uh, such an interesting thing because you know they're for you, right? It's it's whatever words you know you key off of. It's very personal. You know, there's still the general kind of one through six ish thing. There's you know, but there's also six through one. You know, people do it opposite, especially it's those little little um, tweaks that a road just is a little bit different, especially when things like Titan or whatever, that I notice a lot more differences where uh, people talk about things. Like, you know, you, you get a... My favorite was, like, was it Pastrana? Had his note when he was doing... It was a rally stage going up to the top of Mount Washington, and the note was Jiggy Jiggy, <laughs> uh, because the, <laughs> because the road just get this little, like, you know little back and forth thing. Of course, they're going so fast up that thing, right? Right. But it just kind of just did this little back and forth thing, you know, like a little series of S's that, but the way that the road kind of compressed and along that route, it just kind of keyed in his mind, oh, I know what this section is like, right? And what he needed to do. So, but, but it's funny how there's just little phrases, whatever works for you, right? You throw your own little, uh, little flavor into it and have your own fun notes too. Give you, give you a good landmark of what's going on. Also, exactly. good mid-stage laugh too. Oh, of course. Gotta gotta have at least a little bit of fun during the stage. Can't all just be serious. Because <laughs> that's what rally is, right? We're all out here as professional drivers. We're not uh, we're not doing this for fun. We're not wasting money. Oh, exactly. <laughs> no, that's we're getting paid to do it. You know, it's, it's whatever. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely income. Oh yeah, not all expense. Oh no. I was kind of wondering if the uh, the black hole rally team is kind of associated with maybe being a bit of a money pit. If that's uh, if that's where the name's going, never too sure. Uh-huh. If, there's a, if there's a hidden meaning there, or if it's right on the surface like that. No, I mean I think you kind of nailed it perfectly. I think your your description of our name is better than what I had uh, as a description of our name. Speaking of, you know, our family is just a big lover of you know space and space exploration, all the cool science stuff. And my dad worked in aerospace engineering. Well, he still does. And, you know, I've always loved space. I, you know, think it's an amazing thing for that. And, you know, the name Black Hole Rally Team just kind of landed on us. And we were like, hell yeah, you know, we're sticking with it. And, you know, seems to be doing good so far. So now I got to know, when you won Colorado overall, did you just, like, throw in Muse, Black Holes, and Revelations? Did I what? The, Muse, the band? Hello? Uh, blanking no? on you right now. Damn it. No. Ah. All right. Well, I might be too young for that one. But okay. <laughs> Fine. I think oh, uh, I think your age is showing a bit there, Mike. I'm it sorry. Is. I'm sorry it to is. say. That's sad. <laughs> I didn't go back like Elton John or something like that. It was is somewhat recent, but okay. I get you. I guess maybe I need to do references to, I don't know, um, Taylor Swift or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. Not even that. <laughs> Not even that. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Ed Sheeran? Am I closer? Uh, I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't know what's popular with kids these days. I don't know. I mean, it's not that it's just popular. I just don't know Taylor Swift all that well or Ed Sheeran. Uh, I, I must say, actually, I'm, I, I like listening to music. I actually fail to remember who all the artists are for stuff. I'm like, oh, that song. I like that one. I'm, I'm horrible when it comes to no, stuff. No, I'm, I'm the same way. <laughs> but I will say I saw Muse in concert twice because they were that good. So that, that's on me for uh, knowing them specifically because of that. So, um, and then now you have to look up that song. Yes, it's got your rally team name in it. Clearly, it was written about your team. I mean, you got to hear a little bit of it. That's it's it's pretty darn good. So, <laughs> uh, 
right. We're just so serious around here, of course. So what is the next goals for uh, you and the team at this point? You know, so you won Colorado. What's what's next on the calendar? Next on the calendar, hopefully rally Prescott. Ah, Prescott, Arizona. Yeah, we'll see if that one actually uh, goes through or not. I'm really hoping it does because we got some family down there. So it'd be nice to give them a visit and go play in the dirt some. We'll, we'll see how Prescott goes. I think uh, hopefully we'll, we'll try for another win there and that may secure us for the West Regional Championship. Maybe that bit might be enough. I'm not really sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see there. And after this year's kind of, I guess, wrapped up with that, I guess, what do you have some big upgrades that you're you're planning on doing uh, to the car or just keep improving, you know, your pace and uh, start moving up more into uh, messing with these uh, guys at Net- International? Um, I mean, there's not really that much more we can do to the car without just building a completely different car. We have pondered the idea of taking our uh, similar year. It's a 97 Impreza L with an STI swap. You're thinking about caging that, maybe opening into the either light four-wheel drive or open four-wheel drive uh, class that's just all speculation you know years and years from now but i think our current car is at a a, a really good place in terms of handling you know recently i've been playing around with the you know uh, sway bar suspension settings and i think i got it where i like it and now it's just a matter of me finding the limits and just pushing myself wow you're so like balanced and um have a plan and stuff i mean this is this is not, not like typical young drivers I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, this has been my goal my whole life. So, I mean, I, I love rally down to my core ever since, you know, I saw Petter Solberg, you know, jump his WRC Impreza on TV, you know, way, way back in like 04, 05. Uh, it's just been, you know, just... Was that that crazy jump in Australia at Perth? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a big drop. Yeah, the big drop. And then another one in Finland where he's just missing parts of his car because he crashed earlier and just sending it off jump still. Like, it's just spectacular to see. And it and it stuck with me. The old days of, I think, those years it was, was it Solberg and old Phil Mills from yep. the Dirt Rally franchise? Yep. I, I mean, those, those onboards are some of the, still the wildest, wildest onboards. And I think you could inspire any generation with those. Yeah, those really the, the pinnacle of rally right there in the, the early 2000s. Like pre twenty ten, that that's just where it at. Yeah, way before uh, Phil Mills' name was ever tainted by those poor note calling in the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that man, that man was iconic in the day. You will go back and you watch those notes, and it's just insane. I, there's one clip where I think it's on one of the the iconic stages one year, and Phil's just kind of like constantly talking, and it's uh, there's no gaps, there's no repeats. He's just there's note after note coming, and you just hear Petter call out repeat. And it's just like the last 10 seconds compressed into three just to try to get caught up. The the speed at which he can read, you know, that's the the skill of co-driving, I think, is kind of overlooked sometimes. And uh, I mean, (laughs) yeah. Um, Actually, I'd go one step above Phil to me was listening to in his later years when he switched to Chris Patterson. That guy sounded like the. Uh, do you remember the Micro Machine Man? Well, you're you're unlocking some some young memories. So when I was a kid, there was these little toys. These little toys that were called Micro Machines are like little tiny Matchbox cars, and uh, they're just extra small. And that was, it was a thing. Anyway, but there was a guy who just he just talked really fast. I mean, he was just like this super fast talking guy. And honestly, the notes that Chris Patterson would read was just a constant rapid fire. The type of detail that as you were saying, like Petter Solberg wanted 
I don't know how your brain can process, not to mention process it in, in the moment, let alone he's getting information in advance for the corners, you know, two corners ahead, right? I, it, it just boggles the mind. Yeah, dude is a professional for a reason, you know. I mean, sometimes I can't even comprehend what the hell's going on. Well, and one thing that I've found talking to many a driver is that as they increase their speed, they tend to actually often simplify their notes. They take stuff out because by the time it gets read to them and they comprehend it and process it, it's too late. And so they simplify and and cut out stuff. Yeah, I don't need to know there's a tree inside. I just need to know it's a left three don't or something, you know, just whatever shorter. Yeah, and that's definitely makes it a bit easier on the co-driver too. You know, less words to say because you only have a certain amount of time. Less words to say. And also, I've started videotaping the recce. So I watch the tapes and kind of memorize the road just a little bit. And then the notes are just an, an extra, tell me what's going on. I kind of know the gist of it, but what is exactly here? And yeah, definitely, definitely is getting us very fast. I know co-drivers kind of, you know, sometimes late, sometimes early, but you know, we're we're still new, and you know, we're going real fast. So I'm not expecting him to be perfect right off the bat. You know what I mean? Yep. Of the events that aren't your home rally, do you have a favorite so far? <sighs> Let's see here. I like Ojibwe, but only because of the Haida Land stage. Mm. That stage is pretty fun. Th- those roads over there, I must say, other than the, the the first day where it's kind of sandy is kind of tough for that second pass. But Exactly, yeah. It's just it's so rutted. They definitely have that flow to them. You know, it, it definitely has – they got a lot of nice camber to, to all the – you know, to the crests and everything there, which I always kind of nice – thought was kind of nice. But, but, yeah, the sandy soil stuff when you're getting kind of down by the lakes is – that can really get rutted out sometimes. But – Aside from that, uh, that's probably one of my favorites when it comes to just the flow, right? Yeah, I definitely see what you mean with the flow. Like, there's a really good section on, I believe, don't know the name of the stage, but it was three last year, I believe three and seven. And it just had some really nice flowy sections to the end. And once, you know, my dad and I got in tune, it was just a spectacle. It was amazing. Just flying through the forest, using all the road, perfectly drifting around. Like, it was just why we're there you know it's amazing how just how different the different areas are you know that we race across this country it's <laughs> none of no place is the same yeah with ojibwe being so wet 100 acre being so flowy and open and also sometimes wet colorado being so dry and rocky and then up in oregon where it's beautifully flowy and sometimes little rocks but great other than that so jeff you've got yourself an na4 car right i think i technically count na4 if i go to ara production four in canada we got our our classes are a little different up here so so what so what do you need to learn oh oh man i uh, i was watching the stage earlier i just need to learn how to go faster apparently (laughs) (laughs) i'll uh you know you i'll i'll take some credit Uh, i think you know i think my notes are pretty good but then again, you know, the amount of time that I've had to, to get coached by KJ is incredible. You know, he's, he's taught me so much about about the notes. And obviously he's done like, oh man, I think four or five co-driver classes at this point, whether with other competitors or by himself. The little nitpicky things that he can, he can point out about the notes are great. We actually, um, we did the record of the, of the stages at Big White last year, and that was... That was massively beneficial. I know you're what you're saying that you guys did started recording your your notes on GoPro, but it's I didn't think it would make as much of a difference for confidence the next day 
as that uh, just ha being able to go back and review it. And, you know, where you, even on that second pass where you're going like, yeah, that was pretty good. I think that was a good three. I don't know. And then you can just go back and watch it again and again and, and nitpick it a little bit. Not that I'm necessarily going fast enough to worry about it, but that confidence changes a lot from that too. Yeah, I'd say confidence is one of the, the biggest things in going fast. Just knowing that the corner is going to be where exactly you expect it, and you know, you're good to fly at a flat out. Definitely better than being like, oh, wait, what? what is this? Is this really a, a three? And then, you know, fly off the road. Looking at the roads of, of Colorado as well, that looks looks like it would it would scare me a little bit more than some of the other stuff a lot of rocky embankments that uh i would not want to to venture over that's for sure yeah there's definitely a lot of gotcha moments in that rally a lot of places to roll i know a lot of people did roll a lot of places to go off a lot of places to you know break your car suspension wise or have really really hard landings on jumps and then a lot of dangerous exposures yeah on um, stage, it's cathedral is what it's called. Um, there's just crazy exposures. And the first like quarter mile of the stage is incredibly steep, incredibly tight, like hairpins everywhere, rocky, kick jumps, like the whole lot. And then it opens up a little bit, but it's just still so technical. And if you're going a little too fast, you can go down the side of this mountain and you know not have a good day. Well, I mean, so at the at the rally this year, there was that was a bit of a topic of conversation was that there was a stage that ended a little bit close to a corner after it, right? There was the incident where yes. unfortunately a car went off. It, it sounds like the co-drivers mostly okay from from what I've heard, from what I've seen on on social media so far. But what was that stage like? Is it is it really close? So the the stage was called Presser. Um, it's about a mile long. It's really short. And at the very end, it's, I guess the, the stage is very open and very fast, um, just pretty much flat out to the end. And there's like a, a kind of a right six over the finish and then like 30 and a left three. And you had to be already slowing down before the, the finish to be able to make that. When we went through it the first time, we were just sliding that corner right into the control. I, I could see... You know, it's kind of a little dangerous. I think if the finish was moved way further up, I think, you know, they would have been slowing down way, way before they, you know, did. And then, you know, could have avoided that. But, yeah, it, it is unfortunate what happened. I think they're uh, they're doing a lot better. I think uh, Cindy was the, the co-driver. I think she broke her pelvis. Wow. Um, but she's, yeah, she's recovering. It's It's been a long recovery road. And I, um, I know there is a uh, GoFundMe out there uh, for anyone who wants to uh, donate to that, you know, for the medical expenses as well. I'll be sure to get a hold of that, and we can put it in the uh, podcast notes too that we publish on this. So yeah, well, I, I didn't even realize that. So that was Cindy's first event co-driving, as far as yes. as far as I can tell. Which is just, I mean, what a wild event to start off at. It seems a, an unfortunate start to co-driving career i really do hope that uh her recovery is quick and that she's back out racing and isn't too uh too put off from it that's a, yeah <laughs> i feel like that was that's a bit of a freak accident you don't hear about that incident too often or at least to to that severity so yeah from from what i gathered it was both of their first times uh, and i believe i'm not 100 sure on this but the driver was her dad i believe and they had i 
think just like finished the car and were you know ready to go at their first event. Crashed it three stages in. We had a chance to chance to talk to him after, and uh, he was looking pretty bummed because that's his only car, um, and he's going to have to you know build another one. But I, you know, I, I do hope they get back in it. I think what uh, uh, was actually some pretty wise words that uh, Alex Gelsomino had actually posted was just kind of just a reminder that the stage doesn't end at the flying finish. Keep making your notes all the way up to the stop control. And and I can see a new, you know, newbies that, that don't have that experience maybe forgetting that bit. You know, it may sound kind of stupid, but, you know, you were mentioning earlier, Jeff, uh, the the dirt rally stuff. And there's several stages in that game. You know, well, first of all, you're cautious because the notes always come too late. So thanks, Phil. But <laughs> there's but there are several times, especially in the, in the newer, I think it's dirt rally, too, where they have the the flying finish is right at a freaking hairpin um, or something, you know, or right before. Yeah. And if you just want to if you're trying to blast through for a time, you're just going off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so you can imagine how that that can easily happen and you need to woe up and, and know that there's something else coming. So yeah, that, that's definitely a scary situation. And I, I guess just, yeah, a good reminder for all of us to, <laughs> when you're making notes, the flying finish isn't the end. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit more to go. Yeah. yeah and, exactly. And right. look past. I, I know that uh, as soon as I saw that post that Gelsomino had written on North America rally, I was flicking through the comments just to see if there was a mention of it already. But um, I know Joel had told me the Joel Cates, who I bought my car off of, had told me a story, or someone had told me a story about, you know, they 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 see the car that you're driving. If you bought it off another competitor, you get stories, which is unfortunate. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like buying a friend or a car off of a a friend, and someone goes, "Oh, oh yeah, I've oh seen that, that car." car. <laughs> I, oh no. <laughs> It's a little scary. It, it, its previous name was Christine. Um, I mean, rally rally cars. You're like, you're like, okay. I'm expecting there to be a story of this thing going off the road, but I think it was at um, one of the regional events on the west coast of Canada. Here, they have a winter rally um, near Calgary, and it was the basically the story was the exact same thing of like you just it runs past the flying finish, and then there's just almost like a square junction of a corner, flies over the finish stomps on the brakes and just no way you're stopping before that and yeah luckily winter event it's a snowbank it's a little different but it's so easy to to just see that stage end and go oh yeah yeah all done don't have to worry about what's <laughs> after this yeah one thing i wanted to ask was you know you end up having that issue on the first day and uh first of all thank you didn't you get towed back in to service yes we did uh after stage six uh, we were towed in by uh, Miller with the Chris Miller? Focus. Yep, yes. Chris Miller. So thank you, Chris. He's, we're, yes. We're big fans Mass- of Chris Miller. Massive thank you. I ended up giving them uh, like a six-pack later just to say uh, that I'm grateful because they, you know, one of the two people who allowed us to even finish the rally in the first place. But once we got back, um, we didn't obviously didn't bring a spare axle with us. Kind of weird to break a rear, but, you know, it, anything happens. So Flatirons Tuning had a spare that we uh, purchased from them. So huge thank you to them for having that for us. And we got it installed and we're uh, ready for day two. But day two, you're sitting how far back at that point? I think it was around eight seconds, I think. Oh, so you weren't that far. Behind. So it, it wasn't that huge because you guys had, a, a, I guess, a big enough lead beginning that uh, even though you ended up losing some stages, you were okay. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so let's see here. Beginning of stage eight. 
Yeah, we were f- uh, 14 seconds down, and by the end of the rally, we were, let's see, about a minute and 10 seconds up. Wow. So, yeah, it wasn't a huge disadvantage because we had gotten such a lead from the first five stages, but I believe we only won one of the stages in the first loop on the second day, so he was already taking more time out of us. By the end of the first loop on the second day, their lead had grown a little bit, um, so we just were like, hey, you know, we're going to put the hammer down. we got to get this win right now, so we, we just sent it and uh, you know, took it home. Where was it that you had thought that you made up the most time? Uh, I mean, what were you doing different? You know, when you said you kind of had to had to really push yourself a little bit more to make sure you got there, you know, was it just extra cuts that you're adding in there? Was it just believing more in the notes? What was it? Really, it was just believing more. The entire rally, we had been playing playing it conservative, just trying to make sure the car doesn't break, keep it to the end. Obviously, that didn't go very well for us anyway. Yeah, just, just get the car to the end, save the tires. And after the second loop, we were like, hey, they're taking even more time out. We got to start, you know, we got to start pushing pretty hard here to make sure we get the win. Um, and it was just being more brave over crests, being more brave through blind sections, just going faster, braking later, just sending it more in broad terms. More send is, uh, I feel like, a very technical term. Uh, yeah. <laughs> more send. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at a sneak attack there for. Uh, eight, nine, ten. You said so. That was loop eight, nine, ten, and then you went and did the same three stages, right? Yes, we did eight, nine, ten, and then eleven, twelve, thirteen. And it's the same three in the same order, right? So yes, I, I don't want to read off all the stage names. That's too many names to confuse people. <laughs> but yeah, looking at like stage eight, ten versus eleven and twelve, which would have been the same runs on that second loop, you guys were just about thirty seconds faster on that first um, stage eight versus stage eleven, and then another thirty seconds on 10 versus stage 12 which is i feel like a little bit more than just uh pushing a little bit over those crests (laughs) (laughs) i mean 30 seconds isn't nothing you're 9 and 12 were almost to a fraction of a second the same pace but yeah that's huge gap over what steve was doing behind you yeah i mean it also second time we've run the stage so there's a bit more confidence there uh, knowing that I could push more over crests and push more in blind spots um, where I had kind of been a little hesitant the first round. Yeah, massive time chunks being taken out, going very goddamn fast. Is it more of that, you know, before you're just kind of, as you reach the top of that crest, is that lift a little bit and hesitate to turn just for a set, half second uh, versus just full commit? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always just been full commit. But in the earlier stages of the rally, we were still trying to be like, hey, Let's just make sure we get to the end because we can't win if we don't finish. That's true. Yeah. And then we're just playing it conservative, not trying to send the car off, um, you know, crash the car, break something, puncture a tire. But then once the, the final loop hit, it was just flat out through everything, massive jumps, like don't care. Let's get the time back and let's let's take some more. Is there much sweeping that happens on the roads out there in Colorado? Not that much, since I think there was only 23 entries this time. So by the time the second loop came, it had, it had only seen maybe like 30 cars, including sweep. So it, it was kind of nice on the second loop. There was no rocks pulled out. There were no big ruts. There was a little bit of fluff on the outer parts of the line. But as long as you stayed in the line, the, the grip was there. Cause it's just hard packed dirt underneath. So it was able to help us with the grip and let us go really fast well congratulations again on a fantastic win at colorado thank you like i said it's one of the rallies i want to come and see i've heard 
you know, it's basically got the openness that you have at Oregon Trail, but with the technical twists and turns that you would have like out at uh, Sofer or something like that. So it's it's what everybody wants in a rally. I'd love to come out and see it, man. Yeah, it's so much fun. for airtime. So much airtime. Well, on that note, uh, how does well? First of all, who who do you need to thank for? Uh, I'm sure you have some sort of help, especially your dad, in in getting you out there. Yeah. So first things, my dad. He is, you know, the reason why I'm doing this. He's helped me along the way. He's, you know, co-driving, and it, we're just a team, and it's really amazing. And I can't thank him enough for that. And then my mom for also being supportive and helping us. Uh, with crew stuff, although she doesn't work on the car at all, she helps us, you know, with snacks and make sure we have AC and hotel rooms are booked and kind of the logistics of it. And then, you know, can't thank my sponsors enough. Uh, they truly helped me along the way. Ecotech with the engine, helping us get the tune ready and dialed in days before the event, like literally going to the rally and doing data logs and then getting it ready right there. Wow. Um, so they're always super flexible and I, I'm amazed. His name's Adam. So thank you so much, Adam. You are truly helpful. Um, even diagnosing the car, they're just spectacular people over there. And then Tactical RX, helping us see where we go. Really robust glasses, and they are just truly amazing quality and very durable. Like, I've, I think I might have ran this one over with my car, and it's perfectly fine. And if I remember, they're a veteran-owned company. Yes, they are. Yeah, Brett Hunter is the owner. Brett, uh, over there at Tactical RX, you know, Thank you uh, with the sponsorship. And then I want to say thank you to the Subi Doctor for helping us with parts and also letting us use their loaner car for Rally Colorado as, as a recce car. So that was very nice of them, allowing or putting the trust in me not to break their car during recce. And then, yeah, my other sponsors, uh, Mishimoto, Siki, Yellow Speed, G-Lock Brakes, another big one. So it, it's all really up to them, and I, I do truly thank them. Well, we're looking forward to see how well you do out at Prescott Rally. I really do, do hope that one comes back. Unfortunately, it's been off the calendar for a long time. It was a NASA event. It's now um, going to be part of ARA, and it, it struggled to come back. But the roads down there, I've heard just amazing things. I've seen some onboards, and uh, it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful area down there. And like you, I have family in Arizona, so uh, <laughs> definitely would be one I'd like to see. And I hope you do well. How can everybody follow the Black Hole Rally Team? We're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Black Hole Rally Team. Just search us up on Google and we'll be there. All right, Jacob. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to chat with us about uh, all kinds of things rally. And man, yeah, like I said, good luck on that uh, regional championship. I think uh, I think you might have one this, in the ba- this one in the bag, but uh, don't want to speak too soon. So um, <laughs> good luck. I'll just say good luck. There. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's great being here. I appreciate you guys. And yeah, thank you again. Well, that was awesome chatting with uh, Jacob Despain. Um, uh, awesome run that he had out there at, uh, at Colorado. Jeff, we're going to talk about a couple other topics here, but I do want to give a quick rundown of some of the other results from Rally Colorado. Um, with that overall the podium, of course, was Jacob and his dad as his co-driver um, that won it overall. Second place, though, Steve Biss and Kelly Keefe, you know, in that limited four-wheel drive Golf R. It's a badass car. I think it's it's really cool to see one of those out there. I think that uh, Steve might have been trying to conserve a, a lead for that last loop, and Jacob was 
was not uh, not going conservative at all. So yeah, certainly not. That was a, that was a great drive for Jacob at the end there. Obviously great for Steve as well. And then uh, of course, third overall was Joseph and Samantha. I think it's Chiarelli as you'd probably do more in in an Italian accent or something. Um, They were first in open two wheel drive. Say it with confidence and then you're not wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. I've butchered so many names in, in the years of doing podiums. So uh, apologies to all that I have done that over the years. (laughs) And it won't be the last time. So that's the way it works here, you know, but uh, they ended up first in open, two-wheel drive, but I do want to give another shout-out to uh, Chris Miller and, Chris Miller and uh, Christina Coates, who towed in the Despains and still ended up second in open two-wheel drive out there at Colorado, so that was pretty awesome, and of course, we want to send our thoughts to, I believe it was um, it was Cindy Carlson, I think, that uh, yeah. who ended up having um, injuries after that off, and uh, we really do hope that she heals up as quickly as possible and and gets back out racing too yes like, yeah really, really want to see don't, don't don't be don't be afraid come back please um we want to see you out there again we did have a big topic i did want to talk about and that was because several things came out from from ara uh, post-event kind of things and one of those is about rally safety procedures because there was a penalty for a competitor that went past a crash. Or in this case, actually, there was, I think, the rally safe button pushed. But now I'm not a competitor, but I was kind of trained on how these procedures um, are supposed to work. And this is with or without rally safe. So I could even take rally safe and throw it out the window and say, regardless, this is what you do. And this this is how I know it. And you being a competitor with more recent knowledge, I know you're in Canada, but I, these rules are pretty basic and I think apply in all rally situations. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to kind of go run down what I know as someone that's uh, been a volunteer and been around safety people and, and have kind of learned over the years. First things first, you know, a, a car has some sort of incident in front of you and you see them off to the side of the road. Whether you see car parts or anything, you see them off to the side of the road. You do not see any triangles and you do not see an okay sign. What do you do? You frickin' stop. The thing is, is you can get your time credited back, too. And this is what drives me nuts about this kind of thing. There's no logical reason to keep on driving. The way, the way that... So the first car stops and checks to see if they're okay. That car, they would provide assistance if necessary. Then the next car that approaches would be waved down if there's, like, this is a medical situation. And they would tell that next car to go to the next radio point. And then that car would then inform, and this is without rally safe. And this should be the procedure all the time, regardless of whether rally safe exists or not. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, of course, rally safe is just that extra tool that that lets you send that that help just a little bit sooner. It lets you know what you're coming up on as well. You know, it, it, it is, and it's never going to be perfect. Yeah, That's the other thing. It's, it's like not perfect. they could they could hit the SOS, let's say, in their car, and for some weird technological reason, your car approaching doesn't get the SOS. You might not get it until you're really close, yeah. But if you do not see green okay, you stop. Yes. Right? If, 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 you, if you see the SOS that they're holding up as a sign, if you don't see any sign at all, you stop. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. and the, the Blanket, that's it. And, um, you know, like, like you said, you might see car parts. You might see, um, see tracks off the road. I know a story before, before I attended rallies was that there was, there was a situation at Big White where a car had gone completely off the road i guess they had like ramped off of one of the snowbanks and there was almost no trace of uh, where the car had gone off the road and so, in the snow that can be even harder well, yeah yeah and the um the the competitors 
arriving, you'd get this, you know, the co-driver would be counting down to the driver and saying, oh, you know, 100 meters, 50 meters. And what? Okay, we went past it. What? Like, we didn't see an accident. So, you know, there can be a situation. I know that there's a lot of a lot of rallies with exposure where you might be able to see some off or you might not even know. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, this is we're we're out here. We're racing for fun. You can stop. You can check on them. Because at the the worst situation for you as a competitor is that you just have there wasn't anything and you just have to file an inquiry yep. and you know maybe there is actually an emergency and you were there to identify it very quickly you know I I know what happened you know you can go and read the, the ARA post about it I I was looking the co-driver of the car was someone with a lot of experience um, so I'd hope to know that it was an honest mistake that there was some explanation i don't know if we'll ever see exactly what had happened there but yeah i think that it's just an extra lesson of you know what we're out here we're having fun but there is a danger and we need to weigh those risks and figure out where we can can improve that safety even in our actions too and Rally Safe does give us some extra benefits. I want to just touch on it for a little bit. I mean, it's an added tool, right? Yeah. So not only does it give us um, fairly accurate and, and fairly instant timing, it does have that car-to-car communication push to pass. It does have that SOS feature. And the idea behind it, again, you can't always 100% rely on it. But if yeah, if, it, if your thing says SOS, you definitely should be stopping. But again, I think I think it's regardless of that. But, but what I find even more interesting is like, in your, if you're in an event with SOS or with uh, Rally Safe, you even have a better reason to stop because it records every GPS second that you're stopped, and your the ease of filing an inquiry and getting your time back if you didn't need to stop and you ended up stopping. It's like, yeah, they've got all the data. <laughs> you know, they can so easily credit that time back to you. Yeah. So again, what, another reason, just like there's no reason to not stop in a situation where, again, you don't see an okay sign. Yeah. So And, like, they are remarkable units. Actually, you, you were bringing up, uh, we were talking offline about a situation that uh, was posted. I think it was Dan Colburn? Yeah, yeah, Dan Colburn at uh, 100 Acre Woods last year, 100 Acre Woods 2022. And I think it's pretty easy to search up the video I'm actually talking about because Dan did post a video. It, uh, you know, there's completely safe there's nothing that serious in the actual footage itself um, you can barely see the damage to the car but it was pretty much I, I, at least from recent memory one of the best videos showing what that situation looks like to arrive first on scene to an accident i believe in that case there wasn't a button pressed on the rally safe at all and it turned out that they did need medical I don't know the the actual severity of the incident and, and what was what was needed afterwards, but I know that uh, Dan shortly after the event had done a write up about it. And, you know, he had listed off just the speed of the response times, which I think was a big credit to what Rally Safe does for events and you know why we pay that extra entry fee to have those units on board the cars. But as well as just you know that's the the procedural importance as well. I think is is something to pay attention to there. And for anyone who wants to go and review, do I know what I need to do correctly? Um, and if you're like me and sometimes learning visually is a little bit better, yeah, I think you can just look up Dan Colburn, 100 Acre Wood or 100 AW because we love abbreviating everything, 2022. And you should be able to find that clip on YouTube. Maybe maybe we got to throw that as a link as well. Everybody be safe out there. 
we, we want to make sure we all have the next person <laughs> looking out for us uh, when we're out there competing. And, you know, that's really what it's all about. And you know what? Like, talk about that at, at, uh, at driver's meetings as well. Have that conversation or, or talk with your co-driver about it. Obviously, the other the other thing about that whole whole subject is I know that there's some posts on on Facebook about the the actual safety of of our events and um, certain safety procedures that we had in place. And mm -hmm. I know I I know Mike, we were having a, a bit of a conversation about the actual liability in, in terms of giving everyone first aid and expecting everyone to deliver first aid on stage and especially in you know the land of lawyers that's that's a little tough down there but up here in Canada as we all do have to have first aid and first aid kits and I think that that's a good thing that we can do individually too and, and just to clarify when you say you have to have first aid you're saying you have to have a certain level of first level, aid training. level one level one Thank you. okay so why don't you explain it's, what it's is super level basic. one first aid training up there in canada land uh oh yeah because i don't know i think that red cross is pretty standard but then i kind of assume too generically because i've lived in canada my whole life level one is i'm pretty sure it's for most places it's like a one or two day course i think the cost uh, to do it is on less than $200 Canadian, so I'm sure it's even cheaper down there. And it's really just the basics. It's how do you respond to an incident? How are you prepared for an incident? And what are just that that, that initial care? So, so, so the first thing would be basically be like a quick assessment, um, so triaging, probably how to do a tourniquet if necessary, a basic CPR, I assume, yeah, is part of that, right? So you get your CPR card. Yeah. Is there much else beyond that? I mean, it's it's really just how do you arrive on scene to something that's happened? Identify what are the hazards and what's what's needed. Mm -hmm. And then really just making sure that that priority. I know that basically the whole course was like, hey, if this is going on, contact uh, 911 or wait until someone arrives that can get in contact with 911. Like, you know, that's obviously a very generic thing. Anyone can pursue higher levels. I think that that was something that, that I want to to take on a little bit myself. Next year is when my first aid ticket expires is go and upgrade a little bit. But just having that, that basic knowledge is, it might not make a difference, but it could. And with the, the low cost and that low commitment of it as well, you know, I, I say, why not? If it's not required, yeah, go out and do it. And the other, you know, just like with anything else, you know, the more you can practice it, the more that when, you know, you do approach a scene, you can get just kind of in, into auto mode, right? And you can assess and, and handle it that much faster, which is a good thing. So doing that regular training probably is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I got it uh, I got it for my job. I, luckily enough, my work paid for it. Um, I don't think they're going to pay for level two. They, they paid for level one for me. And the first time that that came in, into use for me wasn't even that long ago, was at my other job where there's no expectation to do any of the first aid job. And uh, it, it's, you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know what it's going to be or it's, it's very unexpected, Yeah. but you know that you're a little bit glad. And, and in the moment I was glad I was like, I didn't think that I would need to use this. I thought that I would go the full three years and then I'd just do the the refresh on it, maybe another three years without actually seeing that happen. And then when it does, you go, Oh, yeah, that was nice to actually know a little bit of context or, or a little bit of knowledge of what to do. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, the other subject we wanted to touch on real quick uh, since we were last talking about stuff was, uh, I guess we're calling it Fuelgate. <laughs> this is what happened with 
good friend of mine, anyways, Patrick Morrow um, and Ollie Holter, their issue that they had with the fuel out at Southern Ohio. So Southern Ohio results are final now, but there was a protest because they did the, they're doing that mandatory uh, spec fuel for the open class cars. Two interesting things I think came out of that. One is they found that not they weren't the only ones uh, that had fuel that was different because they you know checked multiples and ones that weren't caught originally. They took some others as random ones to uh, submit all the way to VP Racing Fuel to do more detailed analysis yeah. and double check. I guess that you know that their testing that they were doing was the same for for however their test method was. And number one. You know, their, their results did come out the same, but after the thorough tests, I uh, found out that um, uh, a couple of folks did have some additives. It looked, or not additives, their fuel was different, but in that case, it was, I think it was like Dave Wallingford and, and somebody else, I can't remember who, but they basically mixed some of the R5 fuel, or whatever, the last year's fuel with the new spec fuel because this shit's expensive. <laughs> and, you know, you can see it's like, yeah, let's, like, use up what we had, you know? And so it, I, I get it. Maybe they need to have a better, like, bridge year between the two fuels or something. But I, I do know the frustration of Patrick Morrow's car is, you know, he's using that um, LS, you know, V8 in his car, and it's naturally aspirated and stuff. The results of the test, from what it sounded like me reading all the details in there, was they added pump gas to the expensive spec fuel well i mean i i think you read the document just the same as that they've uh they wrote it out in very technical terms and then they get the uh the response from from vp and uh more technical terms and they've they've written this out like it's a research paper and they indirectly say that it looks like it has traces of common pump gas i believe is what what it said i mean you kind of just make the joke that it's pump gas, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's more regular gas, and I think that that's just maybe what they needed to do to make the car run right. I don't know. I know that his his statement is that they didn't tamper the, with the fuel at all. Going to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit on that, but uh, I know with all the other cars in that class, I believe all the other cars running that same class as him in National are forced induction, so I think that it kind of leaves him out a little bit high and dry for having to run definitively different vehicle from everyone else. And yeah, maybe the tune's just not working right or just too much. It's, I think I heard something about he's been struggling with engine temps, especially, uh, I know Southern Ohio is quite a hot, hot rally. So yep. maybe it's just, it's just being really picky out there, you know, throwing a little bit of pump gas and see if it makes it through the event. Cause I think this year was pretty hot there. I know I last year was even worse, but yeah. Yeah, I believe last year was worse. Uh, I, no, I, I do feel sorry for him. I don't know what to do about that, though. It's like, I hate the spec fuel thing. But at the same time, you're trying to make rules that people at some teams that are higher budget and have the means may try and tweak things for an advantage. I, nobody's going to catch Subaru. Um, I mean, that that's kind of as it is right now. But... Uh, yeah, maybe it, I remember talking to Preston. He was on the show. Um, this is probably a year ago. And we were talking about the different things with that. And he's like, well, I tested fuel and I found differences. Um, and when you see something you don't expect like that, it's like, oh, wait, maybe we need a rule here. Right. I just wish there was some lenience. Like maybe you do it by speed factor. Maybe you do it. Yeah. Maybe the NA car because NA there's something different. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it needs some sort of maybe alteration to, to that rule. Maybe. Um, but the bottom line is, it said spec fuel. 
they found something that wasn't spec, and that's a violation. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way it is, right? It's pretty black and white with that. Yeah. And they have a right to appeal the the decision on that, but they did go from the original decision and appeal that went all the way to VP testing it. Uh, but at this point, so far results are final. Yeah. And I guess the other thing we didn't talk about is the new Subaru. Yeah. Duh. Kind of t- talk about a big topic. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, we're literally the last podcast was talking about just how, how quick that Subaru is against, uh, against the rest of the field. And then, yeah, sure enough, there you go. There's your brand new car. And, uh, from what I've heard is that it is very, very new with a lot of new components on it, a lot of new aero. Um, and I think the big thing is going to be the suspension as well. Sounds mm-hmm. like they've carried forward some some older years of suspension for some time, and uh, they needed a big renovation, big refresh on it. And yeah, I have to believe that that's going to give them even more of an advantage, even if they lose margin of, of speed or power. There's no way that that that's a step backwards for them. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't you don't build a brand new car and have it go slower, right? Well, obviously, and, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting to think back so that the previous car was the VA and there's the VB, right? So the VA car 2014, I think it debuted. They literally have been just doing incremental changes to that same chassis um, over time. Um, obviously, we saw all the different aero bits being added to it and things like that over the years uh, when that was allowed with uh, the new car. Yeah, more integrated aero, um, I guess you would call it. Obviously, to try and fit within the rules and do what they can. One thing that was interesting is the, uh, the you can see visually with the pictures, like you said, with the suspension travel is definitely going to be greater. Um, you just just look at those wheel arches. Um, it is It is definitely designed to be able to do um, a little bit more suspension travel than the old one. Um, it, it really reminds me a little more of when we saw um, uh, McKenna's, you know, Fiesta WRC car out there. Uh, it, it just massive suspension travel on that, you know, 2021 car, and it's going to be uh, definitely a threat out there. The other thing I want to I want to touch on is the the photos that were posted, including a shoot shot looking straight down the engine bay. All those years. Of anywhere, I, I've gotten to be behind, you know, the scenes at Subaru before doing, you know, the stuff for media, and you know, like, you know, don't take any pictures of that engine bay, you know, they're <laughs> they're always saying, you know, keep the camera away and all that stuff, and uh, and it's like uh, now all of a sudden they get direct picture looking down on it. <laughs> there, there you go. There's there's all of our secrets, <laughs> and it is everything's there too. I have it on good authority that all the parts are in that car with that top down shot looking in the engine bay. Just. Out in the open. Yep. I, I did want to throw in just because I don't want to move past the uh, that the whole fender arch thing, and not mention the great joke that uh, Bryce has made, Bryce Proceus, because he said that Vermont sports car hated the fender cladding so much that they removed the fenders up as high as the cladding goes, so it could never accidentally be reattached. <laughs> which I, you know what, I don't think is necessarily true. Um, but I know that the the fender cladding on the new WRX was was enough of a topic, uh, was enough of a debate of overstyling that. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe Vermont Sports Car listened to that a little bit. Uh, entirely possible. They said, "Yeah, we'll we'll do away with all that plastic on there. We'll do away with everyone's least favorite aero change, aesthetic change to the car." <laughs> I mean, love it or hate it, I think that that the the new car is going to be 
fantastic on the stage. It's going to be amazing seeing that thing. I think it's going to give them a lot more adjustability to all the events. Not like it isn't already fantastically set up. Yeah, it's starting to grow on me a little bit. Honestly, I, I don't. I think the first first few photos, I couldn't take my eyes off of those those fenders. They just looked a little too big. Looks like a like a guy hiking his shorts up. Yeah, <laughs> walk through a walk through a deep puddle, and it looks a little little silly to me. But it's it's growing on me. I think it'll look great once it's got all the action shots on stage, rather than just the test photos. But yeah, no, it's it's a cool car. Yeah, it is. And uh, I remember talking with uh, Brandon Semenuk at OTR, and you know him really saying that he's you know excited for the fact that it's a car that you know he got to be very much involved with you know the design of it. And uh, you know, doing testing with them and things like that. Yeah, you know, it, it basically gets to be built around how he drives, and so it'll be interesting to see how well he does with it. Especially considering next season, you've got Travis Pastrana back for the entire season. It sounds like so that was announced along with the announcement of the new car. So we're back to the double trouble um, with the Subaru squad, uh, both in the new car. So that'll be exciting to see uh, how well that works. The other thing is that. Vermont Sports Car now is such a big operation with so many technical minds involved. It's not they were small before, but I mean, if you see their factory, you could almost call it, um, their shop now, you know, that they opened, was it just about two years ago, three years ago? They've got a lot of uh, people um, working for them nowadays. And so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where all the smart minds uh, came together on this, on this and uh, where it stacks up. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a struggle for anybody with the R5s or Rally 2s uh, to probably catch them. Uh, you know that they're going to be comparing the new car to the previous one, right? Or current one, I guess you'd say. And from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of smiles. Yeah. You're going to have to get people with doing R5 plus whatever, you know, eh, with the bigger turbos or, or whatever you can do to a Rally 2 to get it up uh, in power to maybe be able to get closer to that thing because it's it's not going to be easy uh to catch i think the subaru guys but it's a beautiful beast and we love everything that subaru actually has done for our sport i think a lot of people forget as much as they that's the other thing is you get the people that are out there complaining and there is so much money that subaru puts in to help because of that we get actually uh, our one of our sponsors is the wilsonville subaru um has been a longtime sponsor of us that Subaru relationship is strong with this sport People forget that the one of the most plentiful contingencies is not really a contingency program, but they they do that. Um, the first ten get that discount paid for by Subaru for their entries here in the U.S. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the you know, again, for a lot of uh, a lot of ARA people aren't going to necessarily see what what the setup is here in Canada, but we actually have um, similar different contingency program for Subaru as well, Subaru Canada does a lot of um a lot of sponsorship i don't know what they put towards the the broadcasting for the the crc um because crc puts out tv length episodes Mm -hmm. of all of their events and i know yeah there's solid like five minutes of it feels like it's a subaru ad which is which is hilarious (laughs) yeah if if anyone remembers how many times dirtfish got mentioned last year during the broadcasts it was everything was brought to you by Dirtfish. Yeah, it's <laughs> brought to you by Subaru Canada. Confidence in motion or whatever. Yep. I think that that's their slogan. I hope I'm right. Subaru Canada, they do based on, on certain finishing positions in the different classes. Right. Obviously, four-wheel drive is the one that they care about. But yeah, I think it's the top six 
Subarus on a national, mm-hmm. um, get a descending order payout. Then they believe that they put together a prize fund as well for the in the national like um, championship as well. So similar thing, obviously a little different. I know that the yeah. cool thing there is that you just get to like, as long as you're quick, as long as you're hitting refresh and, you know, at 12.01, you're, you're doing the entry. Get your entry in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not I mean, nearly yeah, as rushed. They, they, they've, they've improved that to where they do that. They, they'll open them up at like, at, you know, 10 a.m. or something like that. But still, it's usually during a work day. <laughs> and so you have all these people that are like, I'm taking a break. And so it's like, yeah, you're right. They're hitting that, you know, 10.01 entry to get in on that uh, discount program. And yeah, you're right. It's a little bit different here, but you're talking though, they're still giving that to people have 25 year old Subarus. Yeah. Right. Not just now, now they did have the, the kickback winning things that they're, you know, the earnings stuff that they had for, that was a proper contingency thing they had for newer cars. I'm not sure what's happening with that going forward. Um, But still the, the amount of dollars for those national events that they do those discounts that it, it's a lot of money they've been putting in over the years, even just for that. And that's even if you don't count. Yeah. The sponsorship dollars off to the side that they're doing with, uh, with events, um, themselves as organizers, um, for the series as a whole, it's, it's, it's a lot of freaking money. And so I, I really can't poo poo them. And, and brings the spectators out to the stages too. I mean, how many, how many people are, are going out, it sure does. out there and then they're going, they watch the Subaru go by and they're like, why isn't everyone going as fast? Why, why couldn't we, you know, yeah, keep I mean, the main performance If I want to watch close competition, <laughs> I want to watch close competition, I'm probably watching another class. If I'm wanting to just see cool spectacle, I'm watching the Subaru, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a different thing. I, I, and just like anybody else, I want there to be competition for that car and uh, we'll have to wait and see if, if something come about i know there's those argentinian guys that were gonna build something that was gonna try and be competitive uh you know obviously things didn't work out with them they had they were doing some stuff where they're building cars for other people and uh things got stolen and whatnot but wait and see for that and uh yeah maybe we'll see some other folks uh try and step it up you know we've got of course some of the rally two cars that have competed here maybe there's some upgrades to those they can do and, and get a little bit faster so we'll, we'll have to just wait and see but uh it's going to be exciting um i'm looking forward to definitely seeing those cars well to close out we do have what i was just going to ask any other racing you're going to be watching in the next uh week or so oh man i mean the next week i kind of just go forward to the weekend and see if there's any racing going on at this point i'm my my Sundays are, are way too too boring. Wake up and brew some coffee and see if there's a race on. I've been I've been watching a whole bunch of SRO GT World has been my my go to and I guess if there's nothing on I'll go and find the most recent live stream that I haven't watched. That seems to be there's always something going on every weekend yeah. through the summer though. I feel like you can't miss out. Yeah, not we'll see. I've got a lot of catching up to do with like a bunch of IMSA racing and I finally think caught up to like the Monza race for WEC because I definitely like the sports car stuff too. Um, and then of course my IndyCar racing. I'm a huge fan of IndyCar. Um, IndyCar was probably my first love. Just remember watching, you know, AB you know, Wild World of Sports as a kid and uh getting really bored with the nascar stuff and then there'd be the indy 500 on tv and of course we had the um at portland used to be the uh budweiser gi joe's 200 back then when i was a kid the which eventually and then that's when it was champ car at that time and it was these beastly thousand horsepower seventeen thousand rpm 
turbocharged V8s that were just obnoxiously awesome. Um, and you couldn't help be, you know, just super excited about it. Of course, Mario Andretti and all these names. And so, yeah, that was definitely my, my first love is IndyCar. So I definitely follow them pretty closely. They have their coming up this weekend well first of all there's nashville race that was last weekend which is normally a crash fest which ended up not being that surprisingly and that uh, was a really good race my man joseph newgarden trying to catch alex Pillow for the championship so Pillow's just had a stellar season yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to catch him but uh coming up is the grand prix of indy um which they're back at indy again but this is because they're doing that double header with nascar where nascar uses the uh gp circuit so they're not just going around like the brickyard um, which is just using the, the Indy 500, you know, the the oval to actually go into the infield and whatnot. I have enjoyed, I can't believe I'm saying this, I have enjoyed NASCAR this year. Oh, that almost feels, I need to wash my hands or get soap for my mouth or something. <laughs> it feels kind of weird to say I, that. I, I still have, I have no clue how their point system works. Oh, it's it's nuts. Oh, it's dumb. I, you know, I still think that they're doing something really funky that I, it's eliminations, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But I know if you ain't first, you're last, and I can watch these cars go around <laughs> and see who comes first. You know, I think the, the, the new cars, obviously the next gen, as they call them, um, they first of all look a lot better. They obviously drive a lot better on the uh street and road courses with the sequential gearbox and things like that um it seems like that's that's working pretty well for them uh, yeah i'm just enjoying watching it the the it is the street and road course the ovals are still just boring as hell for me i just nope it's just a it's pack racing usually with a big crash fest and that's what i don't i don't want to watch that i want to watch you know good racing with passing and stuff and yeah i mean i give it credit it is it is interesting racing and i feel like sometimes the oval racing does get a bit of a a little bit of a stain from that NASCAR pack racing. It's all about the crashes because I've tried to tune in a little bit more to like the smaller kind of regional style, you know, watching the lower levels of rally and not just WRC. And you kind of appreciate the lower level of motorsports competition. Mm -hmm. And some of the, that small short track stuff, whether it's dirt or pavement is really interesting as well. I oh, know the short I think, track is great. It's just when you get into the, you know, restrictor yeah, plates with the like super speedways or you get yeah. the cookie cutter 1.5 mile ovals that end up being all the same um, for a bunch of the race. Now this is most of the like mid 2000s to, to yeah, a, a lot of the racing that that uh, NASCAR was doing was kind of very much the same. They, they've really changed it up over the last few years. Uh, some of it was forced because of COVID and they had only certain places they could race and things like that. But the addition of so many more road courses and now the street course, the Chicago race that was what about a month ago now. Wow, that is the, probably one of the best street course races I have ever watched in my entire freaking life. And it was a NASCAR race. I, again, I, I just feel dirty saying that. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, like, I just kind of, it showed up on my YouTube feed on the day. It was like, oh, live from, uh, live from Shane Van Gisbergen's car. Check it out. I was like, all right. Chicago Street Circuit. Haven't heard of this one before. Let's check it out, see what it is. I'm just watching the onboard I was pretty impressed. I went back and started watching the the race recap, and then I think you messaged me, and you were like, hey, if you didn't already check it out, check out uh, the Chicago race on NASCAR, which is, I mean, 
if you text me about watching a NASCAR race, I know that uh, <laughs> must be something special. I, I, yeah, I got to put down what I'm doing because there's something <laughs> special going on. And, and yeah, wow, that so, was so uh, for you folks that uh, don't do like other forms of racing other than rally. Yeah, go back and watch that race. Um, it was actually pretty interesting to watch. And uh, there was a couple of things that helped. It had rained earlier, and so it was a drying track. And I always like, you know, if you want to make racing more interesting, just add water. Um, and, and, and that's true still even with rally and stuff too, right? Because then you have those changing conditions and um, and people have to adapt to it. What, what's also cool about Shane and, uh, you know, his amazing performance there, but also a rallyist. I know he's done all the V8 supercar stuff, but in New Zealand uh, uh, round of the WRC, he uh, raced in a rally two car there. So that guy is no stranger to uh, getting dirty. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly didn't follow him enough and know, uh, know his background from the, the supercar and, uh, and and watching him pull away with the win like he did. I mean, I guess he fought through the pack. I should give him more credit. Yeah, he had, yeah, he had to fight through it. He, bas- he basically drove V8 supercars at a, at a street circuit his whole career, and then he showed up and did a V8 supercar, which is the new NASCAR, at a street circuit. Full credit. Super impressive. Obviously, he doesn't have the same experience as everyone else, but... Uh, you know, it, it was you could tell the the talent that he has in driving um, not only that style of car, but a variety of cars. He is a very, very quick driver and a fast to adapt, especially like you said, you know, with the rain. I'm sure that there's not a ton of NASCAR guys that are too used to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyways, that, that was a fun race to watch. And so as for racing this weekend, yes, going to be watching that uh, IndyCar race and probably the NASCAR race also on that same circuit. Sir? Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, hang out and chat all this car racing stuff once again. Uh, I haven't bored you too much, have I? Oh, oh no, not at all. And okay. uh, and of course, Just want to make sure. I hope all of all of the viewers, all the listeners, I should say, um, are enjoying this improved audio quality versus last time. That's right. I I went out and I spent my own. There, there is a there is a big difference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There is not a budget for this this show that that let's pay for for a microphone but uh mike was pretty blatant and said your microphone sucks i should say that uh your sound guy says your microphone sucks and uh luckily he helped me shop around a little bit and find a find an upgrade but i'm investing my own hard-earned money in this you guys better appreciate it Uh, you do sound a ton better, man. And, uh, yeah, it, it does make it a little easier to do editing when uh, you don't have weird echoey things in the background. So appreciate the upgrade. All right. Well, that's it for this, um, I would say this week's show, but we're doing these about every other week. So um, this is it for the other week show or something. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Open Paddock Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and that is Jeff Sandvoss. We'll talk to you again soon. squeaky chair. Uh, sorry, Derek, but you're going to have to edit out all the creaks and squeaks from this chair. I have the squeaky
share. And of course, I hope all of the, uh, the viewers, the listeners, I should say, are enjoying this improved audio quality. I have this squeaky chair. I went out and I spent my own. Yeah, yeah, there is not much. making our garbly mumbo-jumbo sound somewhat coherent. 